episode 837. The Green Bay Packers opened the preseason with a defeat of the Philadelphia Eagles. To break it all down, we're joined by Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caribou, and today we're talking about the Packers preseason opener. We finally got a game to talk about. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone joining us for his monthly engagement on the show, Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. Scott, how are you this morning? I'm great, Brian. Hope you're the same. Yes, I am. Glad to have you back on the show. And Scott, we've got a lot to talk about in the Packers preseason opener. And and let's start with the guys who didn't play, namely guys like Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson. And then the guys who replaced them, uh, namely uh, Brett Hundley as the starting quarterback, do you, you don't? I assume you don't have a problem with the Packers sitting out their stars in a meaningless preseason game. Of course not. And you know there might even be more value in Hundley for the Packers both this year and for their future in in the Packers playing Hundley over Rodgers with uh, Hundley's contract. Uh, uh, you know, coming up near the uh, near the close and him potentially having some trade value and, uh, you know, additionally having yourself protected in case, uh, you know, God forbid a Rogers injury happens. The most the most the more exposure that Hunley can get these days, uh, uh, the better. And I think that uh, it, it happening in a meaningless preseason game um, is, uh, you know, that's that's the best time to find out what he's got you know, in, inside his tools toolkit, but uh, a really impressive performance from Hunley as well. I really liked the way he, he seemed to have command of the offense and the, and the huddle and seemed to be smiling and enjoying himself and really was, uh, was playing with the type of swagger that you'd expect from a California kid. Yeah. I liked the fact that he got an opportunity to play with the first string. Uh, I mean, knock on wood, we hope Aaron Rodgers never gets injured, but I think it's a good thing. If Brett Lundley has to come in, he's now worked with the first string wide receivers like Randall Cobb and Devonte Adams. And he's working behind the first string offensive line, taking snaps from Corey Lindsley and just getting the timing down with the whole offense as a whole. And, um, I think that can really pay dividends down the line. Fully agree. And, you know, it looked, it was nice to see them, uh, you know, in, in, in unison with one another and seeing, uh, you know, Hunley hit, uh, add Adams with the comeback route. And I know he just missed uh, Cobb along the sidelines, but you know, it's uh, it was really nice to see them working together and to, uh, yeah, and to see, as you mentioned, Hunley out there with the first string in and in a time in which it didn't mean uh, Aaron Rodgers was nicked up. So just a fun, spirited start to the season, I felt. And then how about the backup, Joe Callahan? Any impressions on him? Just got to really like the moxie that he brings to the field. You know, just such a little fighter. Reminds <laughs> me so much of Doug Flutie. And uh, just the way he's, uh, you know, he, he's... He's got this guy who looks like he's five or six inches taller than him and 
close to 100 pounds bigger than him, and he's trying to take him down, and Callahan's just squirming and fighting to get himself loose. And, you know, outside of the throw down the sidelines to McCaffrey that he missed pretty poorly, you know, I, I was impressed with every throw that Callahan made. And he just looks like he's the type of guy that, you know, if pressed into action, he's just a gamer, and he's going to perform. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting when we get closer to cut down day uh, to see what they uh, they they try to to do with Callahan. And I know that you know he 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 had a lot of dances with uh, you know a number of different teams last year, and he didn't stick anywhere. But he seems like the type of guy that might perform better in game action than he does in a practice. So. Um, you know, anyways, you, you got the film from him from last year when he looked terrific during the preseason. And then I thought he, he only helped his cause yesterday. And then you also see what Hill did on that last drive. And boy, he, he, you know, I know he was playing against the, the JV squad, so to speak, but he was very, very, very impressive. And he did all the things yesterday with, uh, in the, in the Packers that you saw him do throughout his career at BYU. BYU. He was he was elusive. He was mobile. He was accurate down the field. He put the ball where only his guy could catch it, and uh, he knew where the yard the yardsticks were when he was mobile and and uh, and uh, using his legs. So just a a really great performance from Hill as well. Yeah, Joe Callahan. He plays so well on the move, and I, I do like the comparison to Doug Flutie. I had never thought about that before, but I can kind of see it now. Um, by and large, the Packers quarterbacks played pretty well. Maybe wasn't the greatest performance uh, in the history of the earth, but uh, still playing well uh, from the good to the bad, Scott. Uh, the running backs, though, were a little bit underwhelming, uh, starting with uh, Ty Montgomery's fumble. You know, when you sometimes live in a world of participation trophies, which is kind of what it felt like the Packers were doing yesterday with giving everybody a chance, you don't get to learn anything about anybody. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, Montgomery fumbles and it kind of had, he kind of just says, you say, oh boy. Um, and then, you know, he, he, I liked how they, they got him back in the mix and, he, and you did get to see some of the explosiveness that we're so accustomed to seeing from Montgomery in the uh you know over the last two years and when we've seen the ball in his hands and then i really liked what they what we saw out of williams and what he touched it four times but i liked how you got to see the things that you if, if you you paid attention to him or watched his film after he got drafted you saw a guy that could get thin through the hole you saw a guy who had great vision you saw a guy that had um, you know, power that grew on you. You didn't necessarily see it the first time, but as you watched him over and over and over, you saw that the guy had better leverage as a runner and had some decent push behind him. And, you know, in every one of the carries that he had yesterday, I thought you got a glimpse of one of his strengths. And it, it got, it had me thinking, boy, I hope that we see, you know, Williams touch the ball 10 to 15 times. And then we didn't see him again, and it was clear that they really were anxious to try to get the ball into Jones's hands in the open field to see what he could do, and they just couldn't operate a screen. Uh, you know, it, was, it was just baffling. And then the one time you got to see Mays, you had enough there to be encouraged, and then I started thinking, well, I at least hope that they give Mays the fourth quarter of this game. You know, they've extended the time as to what you had to cut people, so maybe – they give Mays the fourth quarter this game, stand back the next game, Phillips the next. And 
Then instead, they gave Mays that one touch. He looked pretty good. He picked up a first down when he caught the ball short of the marker. He thought, all right, now I want to see this big body punch it through the through the tackles, and it never happened. And then they give it to Stanback a couple of times, and those were a, that was a yawn fest. And then uh, they gave it to Phillips maybe as much as they gave, uh, gave to anybody, and his blocking was so pathetic he had no opportunity to be able to make any assessment, right? So... Uh, you know, they wanted to give everybody a touch and to be f- friendly with everybody in the sandbox. And I really felt like they should have just given the game to a player or two and seen uh, seen what they had there. But instead, they didn't. And I'm not sure if it was just underwhelming or if it was maybe more underutilized. So nobody got into the rhythm of the game and, uh, you know, just kind of passed time. And the next thing we knew, it was like, well all right, there's a minute and a half left and we weren't able to establish the game. Let's let Tate, let's let Hill gun it out and see if he can't make something happen here in the last minute or so. But um, yeah, really disappointing to see the way that the, the running backs were used. And I really expected it to at least learn something from someone. And uh, we, that never happened. Yeah. Uh, that really is a great assessment of, you know, what the Packers did with the running back position last night um, and it's my thoughts. Exactly. I mean, I, I went on social media and, and suggested that maybe the Packers do actually have to part ways with one of these guys because there's no use in, you know, having them on the roster. I mean, guys like Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones and Devonte Mays, uh, they need the work and, and Ty Montgomery needs the work to be honest. Um, they all need to get into the game a little bit more and get into that groove and rhythm. And it's, you know, nothing against Khalif Phillips, but he's probably not going to make the roster. And if he's out on the field, he's just taking away, you know, valuable snaps for somebody who is going to be on the field, potentially at least during the regular season and got to be getting those guys ready. So um, I don't know whether the Packers do that or not, or they, they could just go the route of not playing them in the final preseason games or playing them, you know, special teams or things like that. And, and that may have to be the route they get. And it, you know, just a, a, a side note, what it was interesting that the, that Joe carriage got the, almost the exclusive work at the fullback position. I'm not sure if there was a, a an injury there to Aaron Ripkowski. Did did you get any follow-up on that at all? I didn't, and I was actually very curious about that as well. That was a, sort of a head-scratcher that wasn't really widely reported, if reported at all. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what comes of that here in the next day or so, because I'm sure McCarthy will be asked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, uh, good news here. Uh, get, go, going from good to bad, back to good here. Uh, Trevor Davis uh, had probably the play of the game in which he scored the punt return touchdown, 68 yards, kind of electrified the crowd and looked really good doing so. Your impressions, Scott? You know, when they lost Micah Hyde, one of the one of the biggest things they lost in him was a valuable return guy, a, a, a uh, reliable, consistent return guy wasn't necessarily uh, to steal your word electrifying as Davis was last night, but you always knew what you were going to get from Hyde. And he was normally good for, you know, one of those 20 to 25 yard returns every three to four games that you, that really shifted field position. And, uh, you know, yesterday with Davis really made the most of his opportunity and he, he, he made it seem like, I mean, you, you see that not just once on the touchdown, but then on the second return as well, 
which uh, where he maybe didn't even have as much as, as as good a blocking as he had on the first one. It might have even been in, in, in a more impressive return than the than the touchdown. You could argue, uh, and you know you look at it and you start saying to yourself, well, he's putting himself in a position here where you you can't let go of him in a in a contest that. Uh, you know, our wide receivers, uh, the depth there is just, it's where there's an embarrassment of riches, really. And uh, that's going to be a tough decision when it comes down to, you know, who's going to make the roster and who's not. And really, you're, you're talking about Janice versus Davis, I think, where both have limited value as a wide receiver, but can be aces on special teams with a, with a certain skill set. And I think Davis really took the, the, the leap ahead there by bringing that value as a guy that can, uh, can put additional points on the board in, in an area in which maybe you don't expect it going into a game. And uh, it was an exciting uh, burst of energy that he brought to the stadium. And, you know, the team really seemed to feed off that energy and play a different style of football. Um, you know, again, it's a preseason game, but they seem to play with a different bounce to their step after, uh, after uh, you know, that play. And, and, and you know, you got to give Davis a significant credit for really igniting the stands and the fans and, and the sidelines and the team as a whole. Yeah, boy, I, I, I don't want to punch his ticket yet, but I'm really close because the, he looks so good and so explosive out there on that punt return that I think uh, it would be wise to have him out there and not Randall Cobb uh, returning punts and, and perhaps kicks. Um, I think Jeff Janis with the bigger body may be better suited to return kicks, but not that I'm ruling Trevor Davis out yet by any means. Um, excited to see what he can do in the kick return game uh, the rest of the preseason. Uh, Scott, one of the more unfortunate storylines of the evening was the injuries that cropped up for the Green Bay Packers. There were several of them throughout the evening, uh, lots of them in the secondary. Uh, Demarius Randall among them, uh, Kentrell Bryce, uh, Don Barclay with the ankle injury, concussion to uh, Malachi Dupree, the rookie. Uh, your thoughts on any one of these and or all of them, if you want. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. The, the, one, the biggest one that I guess you got to highlight, uh, you know, for the impact of this team for this year is Randall and what is going to be the significance of this concussion, you know, especially after, uh, you know, what happened to Sammy Swagger last year with, you, know, you get the concussion in week one, we didn't see him the rest of the year and now his, his career is over. And, you know, if you look at Randall, he has a history of being a guy that does get nicked up, does it does get injured frequently. And now this year they were expecting to play him in the slot, which generally means more contact and finding yourself in the box more. And uh, it was interesting that, boy, what was it, the first drive or, or, or so? He's, he's, uh, he's walking off the field, and then the next thing you know, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's diagnosed with a concussion. He's done. So what is that going to lead to, uh, to, to for the future? I mean, is this going to be a consistent thing that's happening to him where he's going to be nicked up and bruised up for the majority of, uh, of another season? If so, you know, that would be a real disappointment when I think the Packers are, are expecting him to be a playmaker. So uh, that that was the one that I guess I highlighted the most and what could have the biggest, uh, uh, you know, impact for the long-term success of the Packers in 2017. The Bryce injury, boy, I hope he's not injured. He, I thought he looked fantastic yesterday. Didn't necessarily finish plays, but he was putting himself in position and in, in playing in attack mode and you know we just are we're not accustomed i guess in the packers defense uh 
playing in attack mode and he was he was certainly bursting through the line of scrimmage with intent and that uh that was really exciting to see um so hopeful that the finger injury is minor uh, the barclay injury you never want to see a guy go go down and it, his might end up being the most severe of them uh depending on what uh what you know the diagnosis is and whether it is going to be high ankle and if it is high ankle you know oftentimes those things can be four to six weeks and then you know who knows what we're going to be walking into as a from a um, you know, at the backup center position in week one. That'll be a, a, a head scratcher to sort of find out. And uh, you know, so you, you kind of look at it. You know, and then again the Dupree thing as well. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what the severity is. I'm hoping that that was just uh, significantly precautionary and more of a fear than anything, because um, I really liked what Dupree brought to the table. And of, of all the wide receivers that we saw, he might have looked like the most athletic of any of the wide receivers that we saw running routes yesterday and was really feeling pretty bullish on what he could bring to the table, uh, you know, up until the hit when he, you know, he fumbled and then was obviously injured and. Uh, uh, so hopeful that uh, he's got a speedy recovery, and that was more of a, a, a scare than anything else. Yeah, lots of injuries there, including also Rayshon Pringle late in the game, and I know that's certainly not a, a big name by any means, but the the fact that the Packers are getting so banged up in the secondary, I almost wonder if they have to bring somebody new in just because they need bodies back there. Uh, I suppose the silver lining, if there is one, with Demarius Randall is that he, while he has an injury history, I'm not sure he has a concussion history or at least doesn't to my knowledge. Uh, so that's a good thing that those guys sometimes, you know, you suffer your first one, you can bounce back from that rather quickly, uh, although not certainly not always. Uh, I guess we just have to wait and see. And, and and Scott Don Barclay here. I mean, Lucas Patrick. Did he kind of uh, uh, solidify himself as a of a roster spot? Not necessarily from his play last night, although I didn't think he looked you know uh, poor by any means. But I mean, just uh, you know by by default with with Barclay going down, does a guy like Lucas Patrick just automatically make the roster as the backup center? Depending on the severity of the injury, the answer is yes. And, uh, you know, he's certainly a contender. Uh, you know, you, you say, uh, boy, we might have too many uh, too many running backs right now. And, you know, another thing that uh, that I had intended to add when we were talking about uh, running backs is, boy, with the, the injuries that we had in the secondary, as you just touched on, maybe we need to add a, you know, let's get rid of maybe two of the backs, add a defensive back, and add a, another center to compete. Right. Like that's uh, that's otherwise it looks like, you know, Patrick might be the only option and he's certainly a strong contender to make the roster by default. And, um, you know, it'll be it'll be really interesting to follow where Barclay is, um, you know, or where he stands from a, um, an injury, uh, an injury status when the report comes out. And Boy, really hoping that uh, that uh, that thing heals quickly and that he can be a. Uh, you know, he can be back in action and competing for a spot with Patrick so that the best guy wins when we form our 53. Yeah, beyond Lucas Patrick is Kofi Amichia, who probably didn't even plan on playing center last night, but he had to just because of the injuries with the third-string offensive line there, and he's a guy who hasn't played center all that much. Patrick hasn't played all that much, so gonna they're going to get a lot of time the rest of the preseason to see what they got uh, at that position. Uh, Scott, let's go to the secondary here. Uh, I specifically want to talk about the first and second round draft picks of the Green Bay Packers. You know, here's the guys you invest all the, 
uh, time and the money into, and uh, they're playing in their first NFL games. And from both these guys, there was a mix of good and bad from King and Josh Jones. Certainly was. You know, the, the, the one thing I really wish with King and that I've just that's been eaten away at me because those the way he stepped up and punished the, the you know, the the receiver in front of him and the way he held up, uh, you know, the tight end on the, the fumble that uh, that Martinez forced, uh, you know, those were such highlights that it just had your fist pumping with excitement. And uh, yeah, but the, the touchdown play was just a. That has me just scratching my head. You know, the, the play where he gets beat over the top, you know, maybe that was a confusion in the secondary, a miscommunication, who knows? I think you can get that fixed. But when you see just getting beat on uh, on, on the athleticism across the middle after, you know, I just wish Matthews would have made the sack and we wouldn't have to live with that moment, <laughs> you know, where it's like, boy, if here's some rookie wide receiver running across the middle and giving a stiff arm and throwing King to the turf, what's going to happen when Julio Jones is giving him a stiff arm, right? Like that, that was kind of where where I was at. And just, I, 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 and prior to that play on that first drive, I'm sitting there and I'm watching King and I'm like, boy, this guy just looks like a stud. Love his length. Love the way he's opening up his hips to the field and uh, seeing the play in front of him, like the way he's getting up in a receiver's face. And he's certainly getting a hand on the receiver in their first couple of steps and turning and running. And, you know, you only get a couple of yards to be able to watch, but everything looked just so smooth. And then came the third and 12 and it kind of made you just be like, ah, boy, we've seen this before. (laughs) But uh, uh, so that, you know, I I wish you could take that play away from it. And uh, if that play was gone and Matthews had just sealed the deal and, you know, they have to punt it away on fourth and 20, Today, I think you and I are having a different conversation about King, and we're really fired up about the performance that he had there. I'd say, you know, that's my take on it anyways. And then from Jones, I loved what I saw from Josh Jones. You know, I know that he got beat one time by Clement in the open field, and he really had to try to commit himself on a uh, on a, on a, on a third down and a little dump off, and he, he, try, he was really uh, anxious to try to be over-aggressive and make a play short of the sticks on, on uh, you know, I, I, I think he had more time and, and, and yardage on, in his favor to be able to slow down and, and um, you know, win the quickness war against Clement in the open, in the open field. I think he could have made the play short of the first down marker. So he's probably kicking himself for that. But I thought, other than that play, Josh Jones was a great football player. And uh, like I said with Bryce, you know, earlier, I loved the instincts and the speed and, you know, making plays just a yard short of the first down along the sidelines in, in the past. That was move the sticks, right? Instead, yesterday, it was uh, you know, uh, Jones makes the play just a yard short. It makes the tackle on the sidelines just a yard short of the marker. There was another play where a little dump off to uh, – um, was it uh, um, Danelle Pumphrey and the, he's uh, he's he's running towards the marker and you see there are two two Packer I didn't catch who they were but there were two Packer players in the secondary who are flat-footed holding their ground and you're like oh boy here here comes a first down and off the screen comes Jones flying up and makes the tackle four yards short of the first down and it was just like that's the sort of intent and the sort of intensity that this team really needed on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball and i thought that he brought 
just a, a, a level of aggression and a level of speed that we just haven't seen much over the last couple of years in that Packers secondary, really since uh, uh, Nick Collins left. And, uh, you know, I, I was uh, I was excited to see what uh, what Jones brought to the table throughout and um, seriously encouraged for what he's going to uh, to continue to bring as he, he gets more and more accustomed to the NFL game. Yeah, with Josh Jones, I, I thought it was good that, you know, he did make a mistake or two uh, because it just seemed to me, it, it's weird to say that, I'm glad that he made a mistake, but he's been getting so much attention in training camp, you'd think he's the second coming according to some of the writers that are there that it, it shows that, yeah, he does have a little bit to work on. And, and with Kevin King, I thought, you know, yeah, he got stiff arm there. But when he was coming up and making tackles, they were really forceful. And that was something I didn't even necessarily see from him in college uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, You know, maybe somebody got in his head and be like, yeah, this is the NFL. You're really going to have to be aggressive in your tackling. And he was. And that was really good to see. Now, if he can just fix the coverage. And I think it is that that's simply a learning thing, a mental thing. Uh, that you know the, these are correctable problems. So encouraged by these guys, and, and then Scott, just one one last topic before we let you go here. The punter, rookie punter Justin Vogel from Miami, uh, he he has a terrible punt. His first punt, and maybe that's just jitters. Your first time you're out there in a professional game, but he sure looked good after that. He really did. In, in fact, I think he won the job yesterday. You know, I know that they, they haven't had anybody in camp to compete with them, but they didn't have Schumann camp, uh, you know, until right before the last preseason game last year. I think we saw enough from Vogel yesterday to uh, to ensure that he's going to get the job. And, uh, you know, every what was it? Every single punt that he had outside of the first one, which was, you know, and, and I, I after he hit it, I kind of thought, well, this is the first time he's ever kicked that Lambeau field nerves might've gotten a hold of him. Let's see what he does throughout. And every other punt ended up inside the 20 yeah. and two, two of the punts. No, or, you know, I think this is noteworthy. were dropped. So, you know, when you see a pro dropping punts, you got to wonder, is there a certain spin on that football or what's causing uh, the drop other than maybe it being a second tier player, but still you're talking about a guy in, Who's, who's a pro, right? So, uh, you know, I, I thought that that was also a, 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 an exciting thing to note and really loved the, the, the backspin on, uh, on a couple of those punts that dropped inside the 20. And, uh, you know, they both they, they both just stopped right where they were. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really exciting performance from Vogel. And, it, it, again, the, we're playing in, a, in an era of football where it's a, it's a matchup league like we've talked about extensively. It's become – a lot like the NBA that way, where you try to find the mismatch and you consistently attack it. It's uh, so you, you take matchups and you take field position. And if you you start thinking that Vogel's going to be getting, you know, for if he's going to be knocking these things forty to forty-five yards downfield with 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 very little return, and then you start thinking that uh, you know you, you trust that Rodgers is going to be picking up a couple of first downs each and every drive. Um, and I know we had some hiccups with three and outs last year for a stretch, but you're talking about being able to swing the field 60 to 65 yards each time that that really caters to your favor with uh, with respect to the field position battle. So impressive performance from Vogel. And uh, and I really do feel like he likely won himself a job yesterday. Yeah. Uh, nice, nice bounce back from the early 
struggle and uh, did a good job holding the football, too, last night. There weren't those family night problems, so that's good, too. Scott, once again, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. Glad to talk to you every month, and by the time we're talking next month, it'll be regular season. Looking forward to it, Brian. Go Pack Go. Take care. Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. Uh, The Packers won their preseason opener last night, and I'm going to give you my quick chips report from the game, um, as I do every game uh, during the season. Uh, Your blue chip players from last night, and these probably aren't the big name players, the Aaron Rodgers and the Jordy Nelsons that you usually expect to be coming away with the the blue chips, but it's the preseason. It's a different animal here. I thought the best player on the field last night was Marwin Evans, the safety for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he had a good showing on both defense and special teams, and, and that's probably what led to this more than anything is his impact in two phases of the game. Of course, highlighted by his interception, showing very good range to track down that ball late in the game, but he also had a team-high seven tackles, He had a nice block that helped spring Trevor Davis in the punt return game and then also made perhaps a touchdown saving tackle on punt coverage uh, that was down the field. But hey, uh, several other players had missed tackles before that and uh, Marwin Evans ended up making the play that took him down. So good for him. And then actually sticking in the Packers secondary, your other blue chip player, from last night is undrafted rookie Lindsey Pipkins, uh, his cramp notwithstanding, which he did, he he had to come out for a play, but did re-enter. Uh, I thought he had a nice all-around game. He put a nice hit on Matt McGloin coming off a corner blitz, uh, and perhaps you know was it just a split second earlier he could have had a sack. And, and you know what? It doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but I thought. Pipkins actually had two pass breakups this game that I would have credited him for. Uh, the official, whoever keeps track of these things, didn't give it to him. Uh, one came on another blitz in the backfield and another on coverage out on the corner, um, or out on the perimeter, I should say. Uh, I just thought he played really aggressive out there, made a nice tackle or two. Uh, a good showing from Lindsey Pipkins. Uh, really caught my eye last night. Uh, in the his first professional action. Your red chip players, the good, maybe not great. One of them goes to quarterback Taysom Hill, and he didn't get a ton of playing time like Brett Hundley got when he played pretty much the entire first half. But Taysom Hill took advantage of the opportunities that he had Uh, I think it was four passes that he hit, including the touchdown to Michael Clark. He had the nice scramble that I think ended up being the Packers' longest run of the night, showing that dual-threat ability that he offers and brings to the table. Like I said, it's more about maximizing the opportunities that he did have uh, and showing that he can sling the ball downfield and wasn't afraid to push the ball downfield. So uh, I I thought he just just really stood out in the limited playing time that he got. 
your other blue chip, or pardon me, red chip performer, linebacker Blake Martinez. And he, of course, was credited with the one forced fumble uh, that the Packers had. And they, you know, they had a lot of turnovers this game, both interceptions and fumble recoveries. Uh, so that was good to see there. And I actually thought he should have had two forced fumbles. I forget exactly how it played out, but there was a situation there. I can't remember if it was overturned by replay or it was just that the refs ruled the runner down. Uh, But I I thought, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and worry too much about replay in the preseason game, but Martinez came in there and, and, and knocked that ball loose for a second time this game. And just that, that was so nice to see a guy, forcing fumbles out there and, and I thought he filled the holes well as uh, as well when he was asked to do that uh, on defense you know clogging up the the running lanes the a and b gaps there uh, when he was asked to early in the game and obviously you know gave way to guys like Jordan Tripp uh, uh, late in the game but uh, Blake Martinez playing well uh, when he was on the field early in the first half your cow chip players, the worst of the worst. One of them goes to Ty Montgomery more than anything because of the fumble, and that's something he really has to take care of, uh, You know, especially when you've got other running backs breathing down your neck like Jamal Williams, who looks like he's he's really doing a nice job. Uh, you know, this is the, the biggest things that, that Ty Montgomery has to work with along with pass protection, but, you know, possession of the football security things like that and and there were a time you know I think he was dropped for a loss at one time and I think he was dropped for no gain on another run and I didn't see him falling forward when I thought yeah it it was more due to blocking than anything but he could have just gained that extra yard or two had he fallen forward on a couple of those runs he did look okay in the passing game when you know when the Packers want to get him the ball in space. He looked all right there, uh, but you, he's got to avoid those fumbles um, if he wants to be out there on a consistent basis. Your other cow chip performer, right tackle Robert Leff, and yeah, we're talking about a third stringer here, uh, but I think you know he was probably the weakest link of the offensive line, and that's why he's playing with the third string. But he, on several occasions, gave up pressure and and didn't help all that much in the run game as well. And, and he certainly wasn't alone on along the offensive line. Who, real that you all, all those units, even even the starters, really didn't play all that well along the offensive line there. And 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 Kyle Murphy had a poor performance, and there were several of them. Jason Spriggs gave up the sack, uh, so he's not alone. But uh, Robert Left kind of looks like. Uh, you know, he's he's got a ways to go to catch up uh, to the rest of his line mates, but uh, three preseason games left to do so uh, in order to, uh, you know, improve his standing. So there you go. There's the chips report from Thursday night. The day ahead. Um, all right. So following the first game of the season, the players now have two straight days off from practice. Not that they won't be watching film or anything like that, but they won't be hitting the practice field at Rainichke Field uh, until, well, Tuesday of next week. On, on Sunday, they actually have a closed-door session, uh, but nothing fans are going to be able to see. 
Uh, that doesn't mean the news cycle stops, however. Head coach Mike McCarthy on Friday will hold his first day-after-game press conference this season at 3.30 p.m. Central Time, which, of course, will be streamed live at Packers.com. So uh, if you want to check out the aftermath from this game and find out what happens, that's how to do it. Uh, and I have to imagine at some point here, I'm not sure if it happens today or tomorrow, uh, the Packers are going to have to make a transaction or two uh, with all these injuries that are cropping up here that they need to start getting some filling out this 90-man roster. And I think they have one spot just open already from when they you know, released Latroy Guyon. they got to bring a guy or two just, just from a body standpoint here uh, that, that they need guys out there uh, out on the field and, and preserving the health of the starters. So uh, you can expect that perhaps at, at some point here in the future, um, especially if one or two of these injuries ended up being uh, worse than, worse than anticipated uh, of the ones that were incurred on Thursday night. Um, also on Friday, Prevea health will be hosting an event. They call Prevea get after it live on Friday at the Cress Event Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay at 5.15 p.m. local time, and it features Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers and wide receiver Randall Cobb. It's basically a Q&A session about healthy lifestyles that that, that follows uh, uh, a health and wellness activities for children that's taking place earlier in the day. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers will be signing autographs for kids, while Randall Cobb will be signing copies of his own kid-friendly cookbook that has recently been published. Uh, if For more information, you go to Prevea.com, uh, and they have links there where you can buy tickets, and I think you can probably buy them at the door as well. I know you can pick up tickets at the Crest Event Center box office, so uh, go check that out to see. Uh, some Packers up close and personal on Friday if you happen to live in the area, and that's what's happening in the very near future in the world of the Green Bay Packers. Um, we'll be back again uh, on Ra- uh, here at Railbird Central on Monday morning. Uh, so everybody have a good weekend. Uh, enjoy it, uh, and we'll be back just three days from now. Uh, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. Have a good weekend. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiravu. Uh, I leave you today with a song called Words by Umphreys McGee on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go. Pack. Go. Go.